All right, here we go. We're going to knock this mother out in a three, two, one. Hi, this is Corey Reynolds, a longtime third degree patron, FC Dallas season ticket holder, and FC Dallas youth parent. Third Degree the Podcast is brought to you by Soccer 90. Shop Soccer 90 for all of your FC Dallas, U.S. national team, and international club gear. Watch for new MLS gear landing the entire month of February, including new FC Dallas gear. All Third Degree listeners receive 20% off their purchase when you use the code Third Degree at checkout on Soccer90.com. Some exclusions may apply. Well, hello there, FC Dallas Curious fan. Welcome to another episode of Third Degree, the podcast. Number 148. Thank you. Hi, it's me, Peter. Also here is the good Dan Crook. Greetings, Dan. Hi, Peter. I'm currently calling in from DFW Airport, where I uh, got to see Paul Ariola, sorry, Paulie Nips, uh, adorable little pugs, and I'm currently waiting for Nanu to potentially disappoint. Whoa. Okay. There's a, a ominous uh, teaser up at the front. Good, good. Awesome. Okay. And of course, your hero, my hero, everybody's hero, the very, very busy editor, founder of Third Degree Net, Buzz Carrick. Come in, Buzz. Hello, Peter. How are you today? I am good, Buzzard. Uh, why don't you remind everybody how, if they are new to this particular podcast, since uh, things have gotten attracted a lot more interest, how they can participate in your business. Oh, uh, well, we would love to have everyone's support. Patreon.com slash third degree. We're easy to find. Oh, by the way, we currently have our Valentine's merchandise sale, 35% off. If you want to get a t-shirt or a hat or a mug or whatever. Actually, Do you have any third degree nighties by chance? Uh, they got onesies for babies. <laughs> they got everything, man. They got wall they hangings. They got do thongs. phone cases. They got masks. Chaps. But anyway, patreon.com slash third degree. Come support us there. There is a little bit of bonus content for you. If you want to support it at the appropriate level, the reward is the Discord, which has got a lot of really great conversation in it, particularly which today. Was, was on fire. Big, <laughs> yes, it was a big time sucker today, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, that's going well. Things are going well. We'd love everyone's support that chooses to support us, whether it is via merch or via the Patreon or just reading and listening. Those things are all good, too. Or clicking ads on the site, whatever you want to do. Yeah, for those especially new here, 25 years of covering this goofy soccer club and all the other things in the area. So uh, please uh, participate in paying Buzz his due. All right. Uh, it was a day that we had uh, an, an entire agenda planned for this episode. We had talked about it for days. Uh, we had, uh, And we're now having to push it off because, good Lord, just when I thought I couldn't get, I couldn't expect anything more bizarre than them spending more than $8 million in a transfer fee. The Hunts pull the most mysterious of all the moves, trading Ryan Hollingshead. Yeah, so here's the deal, Peter. Uh, Isaiah Parker is amazing. Okay, that's, that's the, the draft pick. Yeah, that's okay. it. That's the That's it. That's the whole thing. Now, <laughs> I know that sounds funny, but um, here's the thing, right? You, Dallas is a bad team, or they were, 
and particularly the defense was bad. And you can see that with things like the goal differential and that has the owner specifically mentioned and the keeper gets jettisoned to bring in a new European keeper. They bring in a new right back. They jettison what they can of the old center backs. They uh, can't get rid of the six they have because of the contract. But um, when you have a guy that you draft like Isaiah Parker, uh, who is this good, sometimes you got to clear the deck. Now, is Isaiah Parker ready to start day one? Uh, maybe, maybe not. You know, he is a kid right out of freshman year of college. You know, he's nice. He's like Reggie Cannon coming out of UCLA. So, you know, when you get, a, you get a guy in return who has some quality and we'll talk about him in a little bit, but the bottom line is, uh, this is a process that should be a shirt too, probably as the coach and the, and the TD have said a hundred times now. And Isaiah Parker is for real. I'll tell you a story um, from is training. This a, this, is this a training camp report you're kind of yes. throwing in early? Okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, from I was witnessing trying to establish how you decided he was for real. That's what I was yeah, trying to figure out. Yeah, from my okay. eyeballs. You know that I don't review guys without seeing them myself. Um, having seen him, you know, on multiple occasions now, I this week uh, when I was at training, he again looked great. And he again was in rotations with like the first group with like Hedges. Uh, and those guys, you know, looking like for all signs and purposes now for basically like two weeks that he was the starting left back. Now to think that he beat out Ryan Hollingshead is ridiculous, but those are the kinds of things that I look for in terms of um, tracking who's doing what and where people are and things like these combinations, these little patterns that you see in training. And it was enough for me to think, wow, he's, he's legitimately in competition. And on top of the fact, just watching him with my own eyes, he's significantly better than most usual draft picks. Like usually draft picks come in and they're a mess. Some of the other ones are a mess. We'll talk about that too later. But Isaiah Parker is not a mess. Isaiah Parker is legit already. Um, and when we got to the end of the session and, and coach um, Nico Estevez came over, I opened with a question about Parker because I said to him, uh, listen, I've seen Parker enough now. I, I recognize that he is better than your usual draft pick. And I see what you're doing with him in terms of rotations and training. Is he legitimately in competition for left back? And in hindsight, I think coach got caught off guard by that because his eyes opened a little bit wider. And then I got an, a coach speak answer, not a real answer. I got an answer about, Everyone's in competition. We're looking at blah, blah, blah. You know, everyone get, trying different combinations, a bunch of junk that means nothing, right? So uh, we've talked before, I've talked before, and you guys know this, and people listening have probably heard me say this, is that you have to be brutal in the offseason of professional sports in general and soccer specifically, when, especially when you have a bad team. You have to look at Ryan Hollings' head ability, yes, Right now, he's on top of this league as one of the left backs. But we're starting to see signs of tailing off with him, unquestionably. He is 30-ish, 30, going on 31 maybe, I think, already, right? So if this is a process and your new coach and your and your TD are looking at a two, three, whatever year process, Ryan Hollingshead Holling won't be able to help you at the end of that process. He can help you now, absolutely. So when I say Isaiah Parker's the real deal, if I had to win a soccer game today, do I take him over Ryan Hollingshead as my starter? No, of course not. But if you have a guy that's as good as I think Isaiah Parker is from my own witnessing in him and training now, this is not because somebody else told me that. It's because I think he is watching him. I think you're instantly 
as an organization watching him in training and thinking to yourself, okay, I need to go all in on Parker as my guy. Maybe he's not the opening day starter, but by the end of this year, I want him to be the starter. And so if you can get a guy back for, if you can get whatever you can get for Ryan Hollingshead, and, and in the case, this case, you get a guy that's good enough that he can't start in MLS. And so if Parker, for whatever reason, it goes horribly wrong and he turns out to not be good, you've got a guy that is at least got 10 years ahead of him of play at an MLS level. So the, the, to me, the bottom line is, and you could talk about uh, all the other off-field reasons why Ryan you know, to LA makes sense. The bottom line is Isaiah Parker is legit and he's legit enough that they dumped Ryan Hollingshead. All right. So this was not the answer I was anticipating, Buzz. I was I was leaning more towards this was either purely uh, kind of an indication of a significant change in the tactical structure of this team between new and old manager, uh, meaning that what they expected left back to do under Lucci is very different under Nico. And then, of course, the aforementioned just personal issues. Ryan and his family and his wife met in college in L.A. His entire family is from California. Maybe there had been. So I, I guess my question for you Dan is do you think how much do you think of this is a mix of all of these things the opportunity um, and the tactical structure and this new rookie player or how much of it is just purely one of those things I think we've heard enough from the video that the team released where uh, uh, Nico said you know it presents a great opportunity for Ryan and his family that you know this probably was either player-led or, you know, if it's led from FC Dallas's side uh, with the idea of, okay, you want to go home, there's two teams that we're going to try and trade for then. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think, you know, what, what they got back is someone that probably is going to more... Uh, sorry, more is not the word. Uh, it's it's going to better suit Nico's style. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see a little more in the... Uh, preseason game this weekend, but what I mean, Buzz uh, more so than myself. I've only been out. To, I've only got out to training once so far in preseason. But what we've seen is uh, changes to how the fullbacks operate as maybe don't suit Ryan as much as uh, in Lucci's system, where it was really just an extension of of or an extra winger. So that's why I'm confused by Buzz's uh, Buzz's conversation that he just had, which was that this is all about Isaiah Parker. Because my impression is Parker is more of an offensive type left back and not somebody that you bring in because you're trying to screw down the defense. Yet the player they brought in to replace Ryan is very much almost ironically in the mold of Johnny Nelson, the player they let go, uh, probably more because of his injury situation or anything else, which is more of a defensive-minded player. Yeah, Marco Farfan is a player that is a defensive first outside back, and he can actually play a little center back. But when I say this is about Parker, I mean that Isaiah Parker is the trigger for this. Like if, if they didn't think, if they thought Parker wasn't was just okay, you know, then they wouldn't be doing this deal. Because like once you decide that Ryan is surplus, then you go back to the idea about LAFC has been calling and asking about him for years. You know, that's the first thing you do is like, who of the teams in California was after him? Well, it was LA. Can they give us a piece we like? Yes, they can. You know, then you're doing right by the player and sending him where you where you want him to be. But you can rest assured that if they didn't think Parker was legit, they would have kept Ryan. Now, it is true that, as Dan says, there is a shift in the um, 
tactical nature of this team compared to when uh, Lucci was here. And we'll talk, I want to talk more about it later, but um, some, you remember that Andres Anana said a lot of the moves that they're going to make are about players who play the way the coach wants them to. And how many times have we talked about Ryan as offensive as he is, that he's an outside in player. He comes in underneath all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Well, coach, we're talking about Paxton Pomacol, for example, coach Seves now has mentioned spaces all the time and that Paxton is central. So if Ryan's coming into that space all the time, he's wrecking that space that they want Pomacol to occupy. So you need an outside back. You want a modern style attacking outside back. This is the 4-3-3 that the United States plays. Look at their outside backs. It is that kind of outside back. But you want the guy that plays the line like Robinson does for the national team or like Cannon and Reynolds and Dest and, and Yedlin, anybody else does on the right. You want a guy who occupies the wide space, goes to the end and, uh, and, and exploits those outer uh, half spaces, not the inner half spaces. So regardless of how good Ryan is, you know, there is a tactical change happening, but it's not for a Johnny Nelson. It's for a Jedi Robinson. Does that make sense? Oh, no, it totally makes sense. But the part that I'm confused by is that if if um, Parker is the trigger, you're not suggesting that Parker is going to be a starting defensive, more natured back. I mean, I guess, again, I was thinking Parker was more in the mold of the attacking modern fullback that does come inside or does go at uh, defenders in the attacking third, not more of crossing balls from deep and not getting too deep into the uh, into the attacking half of the field, um, which I my impression based on what I've heard you say about preseason and Dan say about preseason is more how Nico's going to play those guys. Uh, well, perhaps we've not done a good job of communicating it then because um, what they definitely don't like, think about again think about the way the national team plays with the. Polistic style and the and the uh, Gio Reyna style wings who are false wings who come inside and underneath again mm-hmm. occupying the same half space that the eight's going to be occupying. So both if you have those kind of wings, which uh, Velasco will be Velasco, yeah, as Dan says, Velasco will be that um, that um, Polly Nipples is <laughs> right. So you're especially on the left side, Shun pa- again. Oh, hold on, wait a sec. Stop for yeah. a second. It's Polly, Polly Nips, Polly not Nips, Polly Nip Nipples. <laughs> oh, it's very nipply in here all of a sudden. Uh, again, Shun, uh, that middle half space again, right? So Parker is a winger that's converting to outside back, but he's more of a. So far that I've watched him, and now three weeks of training, he's a hug the line vertical outside attacking back modern style, but pressing wide, not, not necessarily unwilling to go at people and exploit those gaps like Ryan did, but I'm talking about that underneath almost like a central midfielder that Ryan did all the time that gets in the way. If you're having false wings and if you're having Paxton in there, so that's a big difference in terms of where of the half space you're occupying and the style you're occupying. So I was trying to think, based on what you're saying, Buzz, when was the last time Dallas had a draft pick that actually put in serious minutes in the course of their rookie season? And I'm sure somebody's going to go, there's an obvious one, but I can't think of one off the top of my head. Tesho? Who? Yeah, Tesho. Tesho. Ah, okay. Tesho played quite a bit his rookie season. Yeah. Um, rookie of the year. But, uh, who? He was rookie of the year. Oh, uh, right. Was. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think Hedges got a fair amount of PT, obviously, in his first season. You know, I, he wasn't a starter at the very beginning, but I think that he was in there quite a bit 
I'd have to look at yeah, this Yeah, when Nico went down with the concussion, he, he was starter from there on, right? Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying is that like, you know, I'm not going to predict Parker's your opening day starter, but I am going to predict that this is a better caliber draft pick than we've seen in a long, long time. This is a GA level of like a Dax McCarty level GA, not a GA that's going to be like, three or four years on loan, like Imatu Amasi, who I like, but it's, this is a different caliber player. This is a mm. player that if he's not starting by the midpoint of this season, I'll be stunned. That's how really? good I think this. Yeah, I think this kid is that level of projection. All right. Well, I don't want to speculate. Well, yeah, of course I do. It's a podcast. About That's what we do here. Team. Let's, yeah. let's speculate. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out how this goes down. Is this where the coaching staff kind of quietly, because the, the interesting element in all of this is, is you're dealing with a coaching staff that is all new. They're not married or wed to anybody on this team. You know what I'm saying? They don't have those fam family ties like everybody else previously has. So they come in here and they look at this team and they start assessing what they do and don't have, and they see Ryan. And I, you know, I think especially based on the nature of the outcry, both on social media and especially inside your Discord, I thought there's some people who are going to commit suicide today for Christ's sake. Um, is uh, is that maybe they're just divested from it just enough to be able to look at it holistically and go, you know, we. We're seeing this. Maybe we go to so do they go to Ryan and say, Hey Ryan, this is what's starting to kind of this is what we're thinking. Would you be open to a trade? Or does Ryan pick up on it first and go, guys, I'm starting to sense that maybe I'm not your guy or not long term. Would you guys be interested in moving me? Or does I don't know. How does this thing happen? That how does this come together? It all seems very amicable. Nobody seems upset about it other than the fans. I'm just fascinated to know how it happens. Well, Ryan missed the first week of camp. Uh, I don't know why. Um, he does every it, year. He stays in California late. There you go. You know, and he obviously has been, uh, if you follow him on social media, you'll know that he's been working on his next career uh, pretty aggressively the last two or three years. You know, by the time a new coach arrives at a team like this, after he's been hired, you, you would have hoped he's been watching massive amounts of game tape. And certainly as a U.S. assistant and having worked for Columbus, he would know way in advance what kind of player Ryan is. And he'll he'll know almost the whole FC Dallas roster, you know, certainly guys that played anyway in terms of what he had without even having to go to tape. He should have known. I mean, if he's a professional coach, he should have known. So I'm sure that quite early they realized that, and, and they and again, that you remember the, the TD and the coach talking about it, how the, the, any moves they were going to do were about the nature of the player and not – just because of names, right? So uh, it's pretty clear, I think, that they probably were working on this pretty early. I'm quite sure that a player of Ryan's stature in the organization was consulted before a deal is done. Because I probably feel like you could get more for Ryan than they did. Like there was no mention of like any other gam coming in or anything like that. And you're looking at a guy with his career and his best in the MLS kind of status right now, whether he's was this last season or not. He's been there the last three or four years. Um, looking for a guy that's barely started, you know, what, like 20 games last year or his 20, whatever it was, was a career highest starts. So I'm sure that, um, that sending Ryan to LA to make him happy to pay off the service to the club, I'm sure that was discussed with Ryan. And I think you can go back to the fact that once Ryan did come to camp, Parker was already starting to get a lot of rotations with what you would call the first team group. And specifically when they went down to Florida, 
Ryan got started the game against Orlando with what you would consider the first team group. And there were people that asked me if Ryan had, if he had beat out, sorry, Parker started that game against Orlando. And there are people on Twitter that asked me if Parker had beaten out Ryan. I was like, well, no, of course he hasn't beaten out Ryan. But the reason why he didn't play was because they were already moving on looking. And the same thing was in training this week when, when Parker got all the reps with the first team group at left back, it's because they know that Ryan's leaving. So they obviously had been working on this for a couple of weeks. Now, how far back they worked on it, I really have no idea. You know, maybe that's why Ryan didn't show up the first week. As Dan says, he was still in California. So, um, you know, it's clear that they knew, I'm sure, walking into this job that Ryan was going to be a guy they wanted to change in that position, partially because we know that he's not a spectacular defender. He's a spectacular attacker. So, you know, maybe they want to look at upgrading and long-term upgrading that position. And and Parker, Isaiah Parker is a guy that can be an upgrade. Uh, Dan, how, uh, how much damage, if any, do you feel like has been done uh, with the fan base? Because he's a fan, he's clearly what, one of the top two fan favorites. Um, yeah, but players come and go, right? Uh, you know, everyone is in their emotions today and, you know, they may be for a few weeks. They may be when LAFC comes to town next, but uh, it's soccer. You move on. Hey, did you guys know that Ryan was uh, neck broken after he got hit <laughs> by a car uh, while trying to rescue a family who had gotten in a car accident during an ice storm? Did you know that story? No, but did you know that? Ryan had his neck broken when he was hit by a car. <laughs> Good Samaritan. I, mean, I think we're talking too much soccer to like uh, co- cover this. I, we should field it out to like uh, whatever the local equivalent of TMZ yeah. is. Could you imagine the uh, the moment of panic that went through the media relations department when they realized they had that no longer on their wheelhouse of things they could pimp out as a story anymore? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, a, in yeah. case what are anyone we promote anymore, where's our good feel good story? Yeah, in case anyone hadn't noticed, that's not us saying it's it's a small thing that happened to Ryan. It's just they flogged that horse to death, boy, did and they? then they carry its skeleton around everywhere. To, to answer the real question, Peter, I, I think that most fans eventually will understand that you're talking about a left back who as good as he is, is 30 going on 31. He'll be 31 in April. You know, the downside, of, I mean, that's he was in the that, last year of his deal. Yeah. The contract was expiring. He probably wasn't going to, I bet you, I don't know. This is pure speculation. I bet you, he was not interested in re-upping. I bet you, he was yeah. like, no, yeah, I'm free agency. He was yeah. one of those guys, eligible free agency. And I'm sure that was a huge, yeah, look, I think there are tons of elements to this. I don't think you can you can cook it up to one singular thing. I think it's a an aligning of the stars. And while we all, I, I'm sure there are people who are going to be mad at what they got in return, we shouldn't forget that this club, and the Huntsman specifically, have historically always, always, always granted the wish of a player who wanted to leave, even if it was at the detriment of the club. Kellen Acosta is the prime example of that. But I've stopped counting how many times they've done that over the years. So that's why, based a little bit on the video and some of the body language and some of the way things were worded, it feels to me this was kind of like, hey, would you be interested in this because we're thinking this and he said, yeah, that seems like a really good opportunity. So, Yeah. Every other sport, if anybody follows every other sport in America, guys in the last year of their contract, 
You know what I mean? It's Michael Barrios deal all over again, right? Last year was contract. He's at his thirties. You know, this is what you do. This is how yeah. sports work. You know, if, if you can be good to a guy that's been your servant and send him where he wants to go even better, you know, Kellen Acosta coming in and telling the team, trade me. I don't want to be here anymore. I need to get out. Mar Diaz triples his salary. Okay. We'll let you go. This is what the club does. Now, are they comfortable in letting doing this if they don't have Parker? Probably not. You know, they're not going to go with Eddie Munjoma at left back. You know, not not right now. They're not, you know, and, and the piece they're getting back is a guy who's going to be on 190K coming off of last year's contract. That's great value. He's proven that he can start an MLS. He can play center back if you need him to. He's more of a defensive minded guy across the board. So if there are games, and I'll come back to this later when we talk about tactics, if there are times when you want to go with a more normal Johnny Nelson style defensive outside back, which is possible. This guy fits your mold. Maybe earlier in the season, that's the way you go as you're trying to build from a solid defensive base. You know, lots of things about this make complete and total sense when you try and be brutally analytic about it. You know, all triggered by the fact that your left back converting pick you made is phenomenal. Hey, Dan, you uh, wrote something on Twitter earlier today that I think may make some people feel better about Farfan, just specific about his uh, playing traits and and kind of his time in the league. Would you mind sharing it here, please? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think when you kind of take the emotion away from it, you look at him, you know, just to expand on him being a better defender and, you know, stats maybe stats maybe don't do it the best. He's not had the the rub of uh, of uh, rub of the green so much because you had Jorge Fifania and Claudio Bravo um, at, at Portland and... He goes to LA and he's playing in a back three most of the time, which you know is is kind of uh, a little iffy. Uh, goes to yeah, goes to LA, uh, and then they want to you know then go okay, we need we need attack, we need attack, we need guys who are doing it now. Not we don't need to think about a twenty three year old who may peak four years down the line. Um, I mean, you've picked up a guy who is a fantastic one on one defender. Uh, I think when you watched him play for Portland quite often. He was like. He was the last man because he had the pace to get back. He had that, not not Nikosi Tafari recovery pace, but quick enough to uh, to to get back, kind of make that last ditch challenge. Very clean in uh, in the the opportunities that he does take, picking out his moments. Uh, which again, if if you want someone someone chasing back as the last man, sliding in the box, you want the guy that's not going to do a Brisson rash challenge. You want the guy that's going to sort of pick his pocket. Um, someone who gets to the end line, hugs the touchline very well. Fantastic crosser off a left foot. Le- uh, lefties are definitely uh, a commodity anywhere, uh, particularly in a team that's going to have that inverted winger in Velasco that's, that kind of needs... To, to have somebody that isn't going to cut inside, that is going to kind of give you the option to play. Because if... If you've got three players trying to op- occupy the same channel, you're going to become very predictable very quickly or very lopsided to your right. Um, so, yeah, even even uh, before Parker uh, seemingly takes over, you, you've got at least some reliability, e- even outside of Nico's specific tactics. 
Well, I think that is uh, the surprise of everything is just the idea that they would get rid of a fan favorite. But uh, if you just take a minute to kind of add up all the little clues and, and some of the thought process of what we think is going on there, it does begin to make a bit more sense. And, I, and I'm really tied to the concept of the fact that you have an entire new previously unwedded coaching staff who are coming in here without emotion just trying to get a job done. I do think that is an element that – everybody should take a minute to think about. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. I think it's just like, Hey, we got to get our job done. I don't care who it is. So, um, and you know, I, I see, you know, look, I, first off, I think Ryan is going to be outstanding for LAFC. If they're playing with wingers like that, he's, that's exactly what he's built upon. And he was great for UCLA back in the day and playing at home, I'm sure will be a good thing. Um, that said, I, you know, we spent a lot of time, I, you know, I feel like last year when we talked about Ryan, I feel like I spent a lot of time wondering why he was turning the ball over in an attacking third, leaving everybody naked behind him. Um, and he wasn't always having his best game. He had some great games, but he also didn't play as well last year. Well, nobody did last year, but you see where I'm going with that. Yeah. You know, a lot of guys last year lost their way in the locker room, lost their joy in the locker room towards the end, which happens when you're in a losing season. You know, it's hard to maintain your focus. I mean, you look at the way Paxton's played down the stretch and his body language and such. Um, you know, Ryan going to a team that's in a win now mode, you know, as their guys are getting a little older and they got to get it done within the next year or two before they reload. You know, you also looking at a guy, Farfan, who, while he is a USU 23, which wasn't a great team, but he was still in, that's still something about his talent level. He's also apparently got Mexico citizenship as well. So there's a good cultural fit with the FC Dallas locker room there. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot to like when you're in a, when you're in a longer term build, likely that FC Dallas is. You know, there's a there's a lot to like about a guy who still has a good seven years of his career in front of him, probably not at a level better than Major League Soccer. This is a guy you can count on if you if you choose to having for a long time, as opposed to a guy like Parker, who is excited as I personally am right now about him. He's a guy that you're probably thinking is a sellable asset in a couple of years. You know, he's going to he's one of these big upside guys. So there's multiple layers to building teams. You know, you're also talking about guys who might get call-ups to various teams, you know, on the left or other sides, you know, and so you need to have guys that are two capable starters at every position. Uh, and Farfan is still a capable starter at that position. And and so will Parker, I think, be really, really soon. And so you're going to get a legit competition at left side back, which is hard to do because left side back players are so hard to find actual pure lefties. You know, again, this is two moves now you've had to make to try and fill the hole created by failing to keep uh, Jonathan Gomez in the organization. <laughs> it always comes back to that, doesn't it? Man, it does uh, it left back. I tell you that. <laughs> now, Buzz's famous uh, uh, run sheet written in crayon has a lot yeah. of things to talk about on here. And uh, we've spent, what is it now, 45 minutes talking about probably the biggest news because Ryan is a club uh, great club legend and it deserves the time but I want to get through the rest of this stuff As speaking of club legends they did hire one for the coaching staff this week yeah Kenny Cooper uh well not really the coaching staff um he's a gonna be a brand ambassador I, I think ah, that sorry it, you're right yeah yeah I mean he he has for a couple of years now been a volunteer uh he would show up at training every once in a while and sort of help out um you know work on finishing with guys or uh, you know, worst case scenario, you can throw him in a drill if you need a body, you know, um, not all the time, not paid that I knew of at the time, just a guy the organization liked. 
Um, and it was looking to learn about coaching because Kenny does clinic work with kids mostly, um, you know, for, for skill-based clinics, uh, or one-on-one kind of training, that's his business. Um, so brand ambassador kind of fits in well with that, that they mentioned him doing digital stuff and media stuff. So I think you'll probably see him on TV. You'll see him, hear him on the radio. He'll get out in the community. Essentially, this is the exact same role Bobby Ryan filled when Bobby Ryan was here. They didn't call it a brand ambassador. Hence the thing about Kenny being the first brand ambassador, even though it's the exact same thing, other than I don't think Kenny will be um, a color guy on the TV. I don't think that'll happen, but um, you know, he'll do all, all kinds of other stuff that Bobby Ryan was doing. Yeah, it's exciting news. Uh, everybody loves Kenny Cooper, and he is a fantastic addition, and it will be perfect for that role. I was annoyed by them also calling him the first official brand ambassador because I think while he didn't have the title, we all know that actually belongs to Bobby Ryan, but that also is a byproduct of having a turnstile front office that has no uh, pass-on of institutional knowledge, and sometimes people don't know what they're talking about when they write up press releases. It's ding, still ding, ding. extremely annoying. But uh, the move in general is good things. All right, and the other big thing this week was uh, you, uh, Dan, you in particular, this is your big moment here on the podcast because it appears, especially after the sneak video that came out from the league today with Jesus zipping up a track jacket with a slight reveal, if you look at the frame-by-frame of the new home 2022 FC Dallas jersey, it looks an awful lot alike one I saw on the Third Degree website this week. Yeah, I was a little bit disappointed. I saw some things that weren't quite what we'd done, and I was uh, maybe being a bit too pedantic on it. But uh, yeah, um, there's there's a new jersey coming out. It has two sleeves. It has a neck hole and a hole to put your body. Well, that seems like a proper shirt. Awesome. Having having just Googled pedantic, you definitely were being too too pedantic. Yeah. <laughs> because I, your, your mock-up is it once again, as it is every year, it was pretty damn on the money based on the reveal. I mean, it's not exactly the same, but that's impossible to be exactly the same. You know, it's pretty damn good and pretty on the money. So if you haven't seen it yet, the shirt is red and the exciting news, at least for me, because... I think I am saying this, I don't want to speak for the two of you, but I tend to believe that the three of us have been the big um, um, ambassadors of the idea, proponent, ambassador, preachers of the idea of a red and blue hooped shirt, um, navy blue shirt for some time, uh, for a while. And this new shirt actually kind of shades toward that with a red shirt with blue hoops, except they're not solid. They're kind of this digital... Uh, uh, swishy line looking design. Yeah, I think I, I think as Dan will probably tell you, this is as close to given this current template the, and and this current of stylization they've put into it. This is as close to a real hoop as you're going to get. You know, we're assuming it's going to have white numbers, which will be really nice. The one thing with it, what's not in the Jesus picture is the our personal preference for white shorts. Um, but you know, they always show the Dallas kit with blue shorts and, and then we still see w- white shorts at one point or another. So hopefully that'll still be in the mix. Again. All right, Dan, you drew this thing. What, how would you describe the, the way they uh, applied the hoop design? Uh, yeah. So Adidas have been doing this kind of weird thing where they play around with little like slashes and halftones and that, uh, particularly if you see anything made with, uh, my team creation pro, uh, platform, uh, it's basically if you open up MS Paint, let's, let's go old school, you paint your screen red, you click on the navy blue, you get your 
the little font yeah text editor part up and you just hit the backslash key and you hold it and you hold it and you hold it <laughs> and you end up with one billion backslashes in navy blue on top of a field of exactly. red exactly and then uh but they, they, they gradually s- get a bit smaller a bit further okay. apart as it goes down it looks i like it personally i'm i'm interested to see exactly how it is gonna look for real because we were basing it off of some images that we'd seen that the team had created that just hadn't necessarily been seen by the public yet um there is, by the looks of the actual real thing, uh, a fifth hoop that is markedly smaller. So um, I- I'm definitely on the fence whether I'm buying that one right now. Uh, but I-, I think that's cool. Um, we mocked it up with white shorts, just didn't put it out publicly. I definitely prefer it with the blue, the same as I did with the what? last one. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the white just doesn't... It just throws it off a bit for me. Um, okay. I mean, and the thing with the white shorts is we never know with FC Dallas because the one year they went fully with white shorts, that was a mistake. They were never supposed to see the light of day, uh, but somebody accidentally packed them for uh, for MLS Media Day, and that was all that Fabian Castillo had to wear, so that's what he wore. And everyone went, oh my God, they look great with that jersey. So they went with it. By the way, given the Adidas method of the 15-month timeline, uh, that means they will have already approved next year's new away kit, which I always think is fun to think about the fact that when we get a brand new kit, it's like the the one that follows it. It's already done. You know, that's kind of, that is weird. Yeah. The fact that this has been uh, in the in process for some time, it's, it's the best looking shirt. The other thing we should mention is cause it'll confuse everybody. Uh, Dallas did not change shirt sponsors. MTX, the local software development company has chosen to take their brand off and promote a product. Mav IQ is their artificial intelligence platform. Uh, that seems like a very weird place to promote said product instead of a company brand, but uh, it's their money to spend and that's what they chose to do. So when you see the new shirt, it's not an ad for the Mavericks uh, uh, post-school t- uh, tutoring program. It is an artificial intelligence platform um, that I think the company is working in collaboration with the team to build some sort of stat thing. But who knows? Um, I think uh, we'll, we'll see how all that plays out. Um, okay, now let's get through the rest of this list here. There is some Paul Ariola contract news. Yeah, that came out when the team officially confirmed that he, uh, not only that he joined, his trade happened, but then a little bit later, they officially confirmed that he signed a new contract because his number last year was a DP number. So the new contract, uh, I'm sure, involves some kind of extension or some guarantees or whatever, but the new contract, he is below the DP number, and that's important because you only get three DPs, and they and they needed one for uh, Velasco, so... Um, it's not a major development, but it is an important development to know that uh, Ariel will not be a DP on the Dallas roster. So that's good. Okay. Dan, um, I understand that there was a group of fans that met him at the airport late on a particular evening, but I, somewhere in that mix of conversation, did I hear that he was pushing a dog around in a baby stroller? Uh, technically, his fiance was. They have two mm. pugs, and there was, a, there was a little stroller. The pugs are awesome. I don't know what their names are. One is black, one is tan. One barks at the other if it gets too far away. Very friendly, very good dogs. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, members of the El Matador supporters group went out to the airport again. Uh, you can see it on the blog. Uh, I got the very first words with Paul after he landed. As always. 
Did he understand uh, as anything always. you said? <laughs> yes, because he's also speaks English. Mm, okay. All right. Just making so, yeah, sure. Um, we, we, we had a we had not an extensive chat. He was supposed to be on a media call, I think, today that I totally forgot about. Oh. Uh, Gamey and Buzz, apparently. Yeah. I totally forgot about that, too. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. Well, I, I, that's all right. We got in there first. We're good. That's yep, why... Yep. You, that's why you subscribe to the Patreon and read the blog because we do these things. Yeah, um, I watched him train already. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, if you go back, I think if Instagram archives videos, he was on like a broadcast that El Matador did. He took Luis's phone and had a little chat with uh, with people whose viewers included Michael Barrios. Uh, <laughs> interestingly <That's> enough. Barrios is so bored. He's watching live video streams of other teams, new players arriving at airports. Very. Hey, he loves Dallas. Yeah, uh, you know. I'm sure he does. It definitely wasn't like a you know a burn the bridge type deal. Uh, no, it was. Uh, yeah, so you know, great job, uh, Matador once again. And uh, Nanu Nanu arrives tomorrow as we are recording this on Thursday, and once again, third degree will be there. Whether there's any kind of coverage that comes out of that, or I just take some pictures aimlessly, who knows? Okay, so this takes us to the part of the pod that I've most been anticipating based on some things that uh, Buzz has cryptically said in other places uh, over the course of the week, which is Buzz has been to training again. And uh, I gotta say, Buzz, you did a, a wonderful job of uh, uh, teasing people to listen to the pod because... Uh, you put a pretty significant damper on Ooh. the season based on some of your comments. On did I? The def- uh, yeah, you really yeah. kind of did based on your concerns about specifically some of the signings, both draftees and otherwise. Oh, well, the the my damper on the signings was not from witnessing him train. Um, it's just the, the Nanu signing to me. And, uh, and it's not because of him. I know nothing about him. It's the track record of this club when you sign uh, guys coming off of major year-long injuries that are being salary dumped or talent dumped by second-tier European teams. Those kinds of signings have a low success rate with this organization. And his injury is a concussion injury, correct? Yeah, Yeah. and you know concussions. All it takes is a good training whack and your career is over. I don't belittle concussions at all. They are a significant worry when you have one that keeps you out for that long. In particular, I'm really worried. This is the kind of guy who's trying to reclaim his career and any second his career could be over when you're dealing with concussions. So I'm tapping the brakes on that guy in terms of my personal expectations. I'll be pleasantly happy and shocked and surprised if he turns out to be successful. That's just where I am in terms of like, it has nothing to do with him specifically. I've never seen him play. I'm just saying that like all the characteristics of this kind of signing have not worked for the club. So that was why I was tapping the brakes on that guy. Okay. Can we tap the brakes on the injury? Yeah, no, it no, I know. Cause I know we I did. mean, the main yeah. thing was the spinal cord and he was out for five days. 
He's spent more time out with COVID twice now than he has for us damaged well, yeah, spinal but, cord. You know, the, the, I, I said all that because some people were talking about how they were low-key excited. They thought he could be like a breakthrough diamond in the row. They're super excited like he's going to be this awesome player. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That should not be your expectation. I'm also oh, yeah. going to throw in here. I'm also going to throw in here that I'm pretty sure that I've read in multiple places that his concussion injury was long and extensive enough that he lost his spot to another player and never got it back. No, that was COVID. They, they happened like within a few weeks of each other. He came back, he played, they brought in, uh, sorry, they brought through a guy from the youth academy who is supposed to be fantastic. So he lost his, he lost his rotating start and the guy who he was split in time with is now just the dedicated backup. Ah, okay. All right. That was, it was kind of like more so when they signed him, a lot of people were like, oh, he's damaged goods, he's damaged goods. I was like, yeah, it's not. Really, when you look at the the story of it, so I'm not saying like Buzz is saying that. But I think we can kind of not necessarily put him in the realm of, you know, he needs to have cotton wool wrapped around his head. No, but this is the kind of signing that that uh, Giassi was. You know, it's that it's that caliber of player. Now, I, of course, I want him to be better than that. I want him to be better than some of the other people that have signed. I just don't expect him to be because these kind of signings don't usually go that great. You're talking about, again, a guy that lost his spot for whatever reason at a tier two European team that's now looking to get rid of him. That's not a good combination. Is all How old I'm is he? He's, he's not young. What'd you say? He's 23, isn't he? Oh, he's younger than I thought. Okay. Yeah, I just, I, I tend to think, I tend to worry or be very suspect of guys coming over from Europe to Major League Soccer that, for whatever the reason, just because I tend to think that, well, if you're as good as you seem to think you are, why aren't you playing in Europe? Because you're not going to make more money here than you could there unless you're just not very good. So I tend to just, uh, my expectations are set low, and if they end up being kick-ass, then all the better for it. Um, uh, 27. All right. That's what I thought. I thought he was a little older than that. Um, now, Buzz, let's go. So what was the other kind of uh, vibe you were throwing out there in terms of new players? Oh, well, other than Parker being amazing, um, I am not feeling at all good about the sixth overall pick, um, mm. Bartlett. Uh, this is the center back, the old guy. The center back, the old guy. And I've got, you know, I'm not talking about the technicalities of him and how he's old. I'm just talking about watching him train. Um, he is as the club advertised. He is fast. Uh, he is big. He is strong. He is physical. He's got pretty decent feet. Um, he can pass. Okay. But you may remember there was a couple comments in some of the draft profiles on him that said something like basically like, but he can't defend. Right. You remember <laughs> that? So that's kind of where I'm at. Like I'm watching him play and watching him train. And now I, you have to take early picks with a grain of salt. The guy has just made a massive, massive jump in level of play, right? A guy 24 is pretty set in his ability. It's he's not going to progress. So he's kind of being thrown into the fire and he's nervous as heck. I mean, he clearly is nervous out there. He's trying to be uh, bold He's trying to be strong and, and determined, but when he makes a mistake, his body language is not good. And there are a lot of mistakes happening. Uh, now, could he progress? Yes. Could he become useful? Sure. I just, right now, I think it's more likely you never see him play a single game for FC Dallas than you do see him play a game. That's where I am currently on him. Wow. Now, 
I'd love for him to prove me wrong, just like I will everybody they get. I always want them to prove me wrong, right? Prove me that I'm wrong about this dude. I was wrong about Cobra eventually. After like six months, I was wrong about him. But for the first six months, I was right. I don't think so, we were ever really wrong about Cobra. I just think he just finally, <laughs> well, we're, yeah. We're Cobra okay. as well. We were just reacting to the things that we saw in front of us. Yeah. And that's, and listen, I, I, I put things out there like this, but I do it based on my own viewing. I've yeah. watched the guy play for three weeks. I'm worried. I'm, I don't see a guy that I think is going to help this franchise as a center back. You know, they've got Hedges and Jose Martinez and Nikosi Tafari in front of him. Like the, the chances of that dude getting onto the field are only going to come with an injury. And well, right now, I'd rather see – I haven't even seen Marco Farfan yet. I am already could tell you I'd rather see Marco Farfan get in there at center back than this guy. Well, so, n- not to not to jump too far into an, an episode, but one of the things I wanted to talk about in, in for today in the prior agenda uh, was this idea of getting back to why I'm still pissed off about them loaning out Justin Che, whether he wanted to go or not, because uh, you know Hedges and Martinez both are coming off injury-filled seasons, and we have no idea what the what's in store for those two. And the idea yeah. that now you're stuck with now Tafari is a great backup. But you very well made it very well may need a fourth center back several times over the course of the season. And that's where I begin to wonder if they're going to regret selling Justin Che. But we can talk more about that later on. Yeah, the, episode. this is a guy that you, if unless something changes right now, you do not want this guy playing in Major League Soccer. He's going to well, burn you. Um, <laughs> Good. Grief. I, I, yeah, this is not if he was the fifth center back, I'd be OK with that, you know, because Listen, there are some raw tools there that are nice. Not as good as Nikosi Tafari was when he showed up, but there's definitely some good raw tools. You know, he could definitely play in. He definitely has an attitude and is up for it. There's no question. But he definitely is feeling the pressure. I'm hoping that a lot of the pressure is just causing what I'm seeing. But, um, you know, I, I don't. I just don't think that, like, this is a guy who's going to help this organization long term. Mm-hmm. Um I just don't, you know, and I will, again, if I change my mind later, I will be sure to let everybody know that I was wrong as I always do. But, um, my first impression on him is not good. Okay. So what about other practice observations do you have? I see something here in the, uh, run sheet about tactical shapes. Uh, yeah. You want to do that next? Okay. Tactical sure. shapes. Um, this, this week it was very clear. And I even talked to coach about it, that they are now working on two shapes, um, and I don't mean like shapes, like in terms of just being flexible and like f- f- as the team transitions that you kind of go into some other thing, I'm talking about two legit tactical shapes. So the, the first one, of course, is the four, three, three, that we assumed that the coach was going to play coming from the national team. It's one of the shapes that Dallas has played here for years. The other one is a four, four, two. So they've spent equal time in training this week that I when I was watching working on a four four two, and and not not in the sense of like, as we flow up the field, we're going to switch into a four four two. No, like a straight legit. We do 50, 15 minutes four three three, and then we do fifteen minutes four four two. And I asked coach about that if it was if the, because I specifically wondered if it would be a flex idea like Bearhalter did in the early days of the national team, and he said no. He said the idea. While they while they are going to be flexible, the idea is that they want to be able to, from game to game perhaps, or maybe even a certain phase of the game, just flat out switch to a four four two. And the way it happens, the person that changes positions is basically Paxton, 
as that from that free eight position, he goes from a flat double eight look. He steps up and plays as a second striker and the wings, the wings become outside mids basically. So that's what I said when I got back to the idea of if you want, if you, if you want an outside back, that's more of a Johnny Nelson style outside back, which far Marco Farfan is to play in a potential four, four, two at times. That's a guy that fits that mold a little better. So um, I, I think you can. I, I still believe that the four three three will be the most of the time default formation, but it's unusual in the spring to see a team working so concretely on a second formation. You know, usually they try it maybe a little bit here or there, but this was like full split fifty fifty in the two different formations. My assumption is because they're so confident in the four three three already that they're now implementing the second conceptual idea. So. Um, that's interesting to me in terms of how the team might play. Okay, great, because there is a game this weekend up at the stadium. Season ticket holders will be able to go, and while they did announce that they will be streaming games for the rest of the preseason, this one against San Antonio is not included, correct? According to what the team has announced, yeah, that's correct. So the final two are streamed, but not the one on Saturday. If you want to see it, you have to figure out how to get in there with your season ticket holder friend. Or just catch <laughs> the coverage of the degree.net. Uh, well True. played, Dan Crook. Well played. Uh, and then the final two will be streamed, as they said. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping to get, uh, since I won't be able to go, um, I'll be looking forward to seeing what you two chaps say about that. Buzz, you also had some injury report stuff that you wanted to talk about. Uh, yeah, Frank O'Hara has been out for a couple of weeks now. Um, uh, when I asked Coach about it originally, he said it was a day-to-day training lock kind of thing. But then he didn't. He hasn't done anything since then. And um, just the other day I asked again and they said that he is back doing what they call the individual workout, which is like the last thing before he comes back to training. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and Franco even posted some videos of himself doing like, you know, rehabby type stuff on Instagram and everything. So um, he's real close to being back. It's been really weird with him hurt and Jesus out. They've had no forwards on the team for like the first three weeks of camp. It was really weird watching him trying and work around that. Um, And the second thing was that Jimmy Maurer had had a knock again. Um, they even did like uh, some scans on him and stuff. I don't know the exact technical terms of what they did. I, I mean, I would say MRI, but I have no idea if that's what it was. And he's magic apparently fine. Sponge. Yeah, magic sponge, but he's apparently fine. There's no structural or whatever. So he was expected to be back, you know, right away. He, he even played in some of the stuff last week. He just was missing the one day of training I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the only injury stuff that's worth comment that I am aware of. You know, they don't exactly trumpet the training uh, injury stuff right now, but. Um, I only notice people are missing and ask about him. Have you seen the new um, Dutch goalkeeper? I have, and he's good. Oh, yeah, like how he's, good? He's legit. Uh, well, you know, I don't. I don't usually go over and watch like the keeper drills, you know, because they're just to me they're kind of boring. It's just the keepers doing reaction stuff or whatever. But when he got into the full field stuff, uh, lots of presence, plenty of size, good lateral sp- speed. Um, I haven't, I don't know much about his game reading yet. Cause I'm not watching full field stuff. Um, you know, the, the reactions and the shot stopping are Jesse Gonzalez level at least. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, legit chance he might be up here to be the number one potentially. I mean, that, that spot is definitely in competition. I think he's that good. Mm. So but the real question ahead. is, does he live up to his name and pause real well? Hmm. Mm. I'm so defeated. Yeah, no, that was yeah. 
By the way, he All got right. an apartment down near ACC, which is kind of fun. Okay. Because he posted the pictures of it on Instagram. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to regret that when he has to make yeah. that trip up the tollway back I mean, and it's down, gonna, up and down. Oh, take my the car up yeah. to Plano and be like, wait, <laughs> what do you mean it doesn't go any further? <laughs> Man, living in Uptown or uh, Victory Plaza seems really kick-ass until you realize you yeah. got to suffer the tollway every day up and down. Poor guy. Yeah, That's, he literally has a view of the American Island Center front plaza there. Yeah. So much for the club's new uh, life adjustment uh, department. Yeah. By the that, way, it seems I, like a failure on their part in terms of real you know, estate advice. <laughs> we don't often get into off-field stuff, but are you aware of how high-profile his girlfriend is? No. Yeah, she her. is a Vogue cover model. She is a international superstar, like top fifty famous models in the world model. Is she coming with him? Well, she's got literally millions of followers. She has more followers than FC Dallas does. I have no idea if she's coming with him, but it's like if you if they can't figure out how to parlay that into some kind of publicity, I got to get her on the kick around. Yeah, uh, yeah. She's, What's her name? I mean, I, I'm not into models, so I don't remember. But oh. you know, what her are profile. You into, Buzz? <laughs> I'm into media clicks. I looked at her profile because he tagged her. I wanted to see who she was, and she's got you know 1.5 million followers or something. You know, it's ridiculous. She's she's significantly more famous than he is. Well, I'm a 53 year old married man for 25 years. I'm into boobs, and I want to know who she is. <laughs> well, you, you can look him up on her in, on his Instagram. Right. Very account. good, thank you. Yeah, they went to <laughs> the beach instead and of coming that here. was the tit around. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now that we've recovered from uh, Dan's awful joke, do you guys want to play a brief round or uh, a segment of third degree rumor starter? Sure. Go ahead. All right. So when I hear you talk about the Frank O'Hara situation, is there anything to the idea that maybe something else is going on in the background in terms of potentially maybe him moving on? and not being here this season because he knows he's not the starter? No. I I, I like where your brain's at, but um, it's too much money. It just seems so well, not if he could find a club to buy him and take over. Uh, I mean, instead of buying him out, they could find a club in Mexico that would love to have his services, sell him cheaply, but the inverse is the money they save in his salary, Buzz. Yeah, that's entirely possible, um, hypothetically. I see what you're saying. It just seems um, weird to me that he's not training with the team at all. And they, you know, if this was a day to day thing a few weeks ago, now we're three weeks into it and he's still not training with the team. There's just something odd about that to me. Well, they did take him to Florida, even though he didn't train. They okay. did take him with him, you know, for team building or whatever, you know, and his stuff on Instagram is all about, you know, you know, fighting for a spot and proving that he's can contribute and all that kind of stuff. So. Do well, this has been a any, crummy episode of about third the degree fire starter. What? what now? Do you I'm know sorry? anything about the nature of the injury? No, I do not. I just, I originally they told me it wasn't a big deal. And then it's, you haven't seen him in three weeks. So I was worried. Cause you know. I'm just thinking like George John was a day to day injury when he had that bone bruise in his knee that then finished his career. You know, it's, it can be one of those chronic things that are day to day as long as it actually heals. Well, that does lead me to this question, Buzz, because I just thought of this. If for some reason Frank O'Hara was injured long-term, whether he's here or not on the roster, who plays that position if Jesus can't play it? Uh, (laughs) O'Brien. 
Yeah, at least he well, also doesn't have to defend that. The the other the other option that I've seen a lot in training is the use of um, midfielders in that spot, oh, like Jesus, because the, the discussion that the nine is a build position. You know, more false nine type guys, build type guys, move in and out type guys. So like I've seen Nicky Hernandez do it. I've seen Khalil do it. Uh, I've seen Paulie Benny. Completer. Who? Paul. Yeah. Nips completer. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's lots of options. Um, You know, I I think now if in a week or two we see them add a striker, then I think there's a lot of validity to the idea that there's a problem. But um, I think at this point they've they've when I've asked about it, are you concerned with not having you know a body in that position? He's in practice. He said, no, it's no big deal. We know who's going to be there. It's fine. Next on the run sheet, something about North Texas camp, and I'm wondering, did the hug happen? No, well, I didn't go watch North Texas camp. <laughs> I just that it's more important that they split up uh, North Texas and FC Dallas training, and they they have enough bodies now to do their own North Texas training. But what specifically is important to talk about is that the two third round picks that actually showed up in camp, which is uh, Chase Nice, who's a center back, and uh, the other keeper, um, have now joined North Texas full time. Basically, you know, trying to win a contract there. Um. Colin Smith is with them full time. I think Nikki Hernandez is with them full time because he vanished from first team training and I, I forgot to ask. So I think he may have been shuttled down there full time, which is not a good sign for him because Benny Redzik is still in, sorry, Redzic, Redzik is still in FC Dallas camp. Um, so, you know, there's a difference obviously between the way they're treating those guys, it seems to me, unless Nikki got hurt and no one told me. Um, so that's not good for him. Um, the other co- side of that coin is that there's a player that from North Texas that is still in FC Dallas camp. And I asked about him specifically and coach said both that it's a question of body, but also that the player had earned the opportunity to be there because of his play and that he was legitimately in competition. And that's Blaine Ferry. And you guys remember the beginning of camp, I told you how awesome he looked and how he looks pro and a mentality change and all that. And it's paid off. The kid has been killing it in camp Right now, he's Paxson's backup. Now, he's still on a North Texas contract, and so it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks whether he can actually win a spot and get the first-team contract or not. But right now, he's the number two choice for that free eight position, and pretty much he and Paxson are the only guys playing that position in training all the time. So that's, to me, really interesting. I think the kid's got – is ahead of what I was projecting in terms of his progression uh, because he's made the step earlier than I expected. So that's really cool. Uh, is speaking of, uh, backup to Paxton, has there been any movement in the rumor mill in terms of uh, what they're going to do with that international slot, considering we've thought it would be another center midfielder? Nothing, but you know, you can read every national pun that there is that covers this league. And they all say the same thing is they're expecting something to happen in that spot. And, but so far nothing. And it's possible they're waiting to decide if Benny's going to be the guy. Cause if Benny is going to be good enough, then they don't won't need to go spend the spot and they can hold it, you know? So th- that'll be, That'll be a fun thing to watch over the next couple of weeks to see which way that breaks. Because they could add Blaine now and then, you know, and, and still, I mean, they won't. There's no reason to until the season's starting. But they could go ahead and add him and then still be in the market because the the transfer window probably will be open until maybe, maybe even May. You know, because it, it opened today, the transfer window. That's why you saw this activity today. You know, so we'll see. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, somebody has just leaked what they think is the new Seattle kit, and it wow. is. Oh Chico. my eyes! 
Oh, Jesus it's Christ. checkers. It's green and lime checkers, and I love it. I, I friggin' yeah. love it. I love it too. I, Croatia's got one of my favorite jerseys in all the world all the time, and this is not that good, but it's pretty good. Now, oh, I don't know. I may, I may not. I may question the uh, snot green shorts and socks, but the shirt, I love it. Yeah, you don't like it? One. You don't like it, Dan? Oh, it's disgusting. <laughs> Buzz will retweet that in his Twitter account just so you guys can check it out. I'm sure you'll have seen it by the time you listen to the pod, but yeah, uh, I'll go it just it. happened to can pop I just up point while we were out that they made that on the same FIFA kit creator that I did the third degree ones on this year. Man, you're no. so high tone. Look at you bragging about your skills. Hey, uh, Peter, to throw back yeah. to our conversation about Pepe, um, there's apparently a River Plate coming in with a $10 million offer for your Tati Castaneos, the New York City striker. So, Man, that blows me away. That if, if, if Castellanos sells for half as much as Pepe, I, th- I really do wonder what, I mean, good Lord, the Osberg fans and the Osberg front office is going to just, I mean, they are really set up for a real shitstorm if Pepe yeah. doesn't turn out to be the, the real deal. Well, Bugger's saying that they had turned down $12 million from Palmeiras in December, so I don't think Tim's going to get it done. But it's an interesting thing to watch in terms of our Pepe reporting, you know, of what we thought he was worth and where he went. That's a guy we compared him to, you know, because of the, the similarities in the sense of the number of production, but differences in terms of age and consistency of production and things like that. So it'll be fun to follow. Yeah, I I don't think it's unfair to just state out loud that Osberg overpaid for Pepe. I, I just I don't think it's un I don't think it's uncool to say that it's okay to say it. Yeah, I think they paid a, over the mark too. But I'm How not. How much upset. of that fee is is marketing dollars though? Yeah, fair point. Uh, oh, you mean how much were they willing to pay to get him to be well, able to market him and well, get like yeah, grab I American mean, fans? I, yeah, yeah, kind of like when um, Real Pulisic. Madrid loaned uh, uh, what's his name uh, Chicharito, and then stuck him on the bench, but sold a shit ton of jerseys in Mexico. Well, I mean, it's also the argument everybody made about Pulisic and Chelsea, right? I mean, I'm, obviously oh, there was a yeah, lot he's more. A contributor. Uh, uh, that's that was absolutely a part. I, I believe as much as as talented as Christian is, and how important he could have, in theory, be to that team. Part of that eighty million kajillion pounds they paid for him was because they knew uh, it, they could grab a lot of new American fans, and they did. I mean, I know well, a whole they, bunch of they young guys that are Chelsea fans already. You know, Augsburg's not exactly like a top anything German team to America or top anything team to American fans. Yeah. You know, as Chelsea ever since they were invented in 2004 uh, were. Yeah. Um, anything else Buzz yeah. and or Dan? What? Oh my gosh. You, we're you running so a, long. What, you what missed I miss? skip on the uh, format there with the... It's in crayon. It's in Which crayon one? like all the rest. Antonio Carrera. Oh, I thought you mentioned that already. Sorry, we've been no. going on for so long. I, I just yeah. I, I blew through. What about Antonio Carrera? Well, I think there's a chance that Antonio Carrera has won the third keeper job at FC Dallas with no, the first team. He's 18 years old. What a I know. Rocket. I I I thought there was no way. Like all the stuff I was getting was that he was going to be with North Texas for a year or two. You know, and they weren't in a big rush or whatever. Um, but then they had a trialist in camp for who's a 30 year old journeyman, MLS, USL championship kind of keeper. He's gone. He's out. They, they got rid of him. And so I asked, and so this week was just uh pause and Carrera in Nessie Dallas camp. And so I asked coach, I said, you know, has he done enough to put himself in the competition? And, and he gave me 
the first part of the answer was the typical, um, if they're good enough, they're old enough kind of thing, you know, and, and basically we're evaluating everybody, blah, blah, blah. But then he very specifically said that Antonio had proven that he was good enough because of his performance down in Florida, because of his, mm. the game he played for the U twenties against FC Dallas, where he had six saves and a shutout. And then the game he played, I think half the game was it and the other game against Orlando. And he said, because of that, he's put himself in the picture. So again, camp's not over, but right now there's only three keepers in camp, the FC Dallas camp and Carrera is one of the three. And so we know he's under contract with the club. And you remember, I told you that the club was ready to announce him as a North Texas player. They even listed him as a North Texas player on the roster, but then nothing got announced because MLS put a kibosh on that. Well, they've opened that up because lots of teams, including North Texas have been announcing players and they still haven't announced Carrera. And I think it's because they're, legitimately considering that he's now the third keeper for FC Dallas and they're not, it's not a hundred percent that that's going to be the case, but they're it's leaning that way. And based on what I'm seeing in training again, I think he legitimately may have done it, may have won the third team job. And that's amazing. Would, for that, changes, can, would that change the type of contract they sign him to? Uh, it might mean they have to, because then they have to do, I don't know what kind of deal he signed, whether he had some kind of hybrid deal or a North Texas deal or, what remember his agent called him a homegrown. So if he's going to be on the MLS roster, he for sure has to sign a real homegrown contract. Now, if that's what he already has or not, I couldn't tell you because I think they were going to try and pretend like it was a North Texas deal, all that kind of stuff. So I actually think there's a real reevaluation happening here. And one, the one reason it'll be very interesting. uh, Another thing, by the way, side note, Seth Wilson, who's another good Academy keeper is with North Texas. Now they invited him to camp. So the two keepers with North Texas are Seth Wilson, the former Academy player and the kid they drafted and Carrera is with the first team He's one of three keepers. So I imagine that Carrera will go down and play with North Texas a fair amount if he does win this third team spot, but you know, he's going to be, it looks like he's going to be the guy that. And that's amazing that cause that's way ahead of his progression curve. I thought. Yeah. I think, um, you know, you, uh, the question about the contract, it, it kind of depends on what those hybrid, MLS next pro contracts really dictate if they have to stay that first year with with the uh, the affiliate team or, or they can go straight to MLS. Uh, I mean, if it is that case, I could see certainly some teams abusing that and kind of doing like a weird loan situation to get around the salary cap <clears throat> Miami. Um, <laughs> but definitely, uh, you know, when we've spoken to him in preseason that he's definitely was at least earlier on, under the impression that he was going to be very much with North Texas this year. Yeah, it, it's, Dallas likes to leave a spot or two open and bounce guys up and down, back and forth all the time because there is that fluidity between the two teams. So it's possible that they will you know, keep him on a North Texas deal and only call him up if in the, in the rare case of an injury they actually need that third keeper. Then you loan him up. Mm-hmm. But it'll mean that you don't have to carry three keepers on the FC Dallas roster. Cause there's no 30 year old guy. There's no Zoback hanging around, right? You can just go with Carrera in first team training all the time and keep an open roster spot on the FC Dallas roster, save yourself a couple hundred thousand dollars on a third keeper. So, uh, you know, it, it both is beneficial to the club and it says something about the kid's ability. If he does lock that spot down ahead of, uh, the, the curve ahead of when we expected. So I'm telling you, it, it's not going to be too long before that Carrera family is the first family of soccer in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Yeah. I mean, Nico's on the bench now for um, Holston Keel all the time. He hasn't played yet, 
but he's on their first team bench at almost every game. So, but aren't there like another brother and another sister or something yeah, that are his ballers? Sister, yeah, his sister plays for the FC Dallas ECNL team, which is their top women's team. I believe that's who she plays for. Mm-hmm. And and then the younger brother is a goalkeeper. Also, I think he's a U thirteen. He's one of two keepers. Uh, there's the another brother beyond that too. I think there is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, not that I'm aware of. I only know of the four kids. But I could—I mm-hmm. suppose I could be wrong. But I believe it's just the four. Well, we're gonna have to figure out what they've been feeding them over at the Carrera mm-hmm. family and soccer uh, balls. Put that apparently. in the <laughs> the uh, academy food regimen or whatever. Give it to the lunch lady. Yeah, I think I think Nico's gonna be end up being one of those players that people are gonna be like, "How did they miss that guy?" You know, when they let him, he was a guy that I thought that they desperately should have signed for North Texas. He needed some development still. He needed some polish. He would have been perfect, and they weren't able to figure out how to do that. Um, again, that's, that's, it's, that happened in the Lucci era where I, I hate to say that they made a couple of mistakes at evaluating center backs in the Lucci era, but that seems to be the case. Hey, before we go, did you guys see the, uh, tweet of Marco Ferru? I assume this is Marco Ferruzzi's son, Diego hitting yes. an Olympico for yeah. McKenny Boyd, uh, which by the way, apparently isn't his first this season. I think he's hit Olympicos at least twice this season, which would be amazing. He, that kid's got a knack for big goals. He actually scored a goal from like way out. That was like a game winner walk-off goal <laughs> too earlier in the, in the season. So he's got a knack, that kid. I mean, he's not going to be a pro, but um, no, he definitely is a baller. gamer. Just a young yeah. high school kick-ass baller. So good he's, for him. And he's going somewhere baller. to college. I can't remember where it is, but it's, you know, it's, it's one of the bigger mid-tier programs. I can't remember who it was. All right. well, exciting to see. And I, <laughs> the idea that, I mean, just being able to promote yourself like that on social yeah. media as a kid is just awesome. I think that is so cool. And just a list of uh, something else to add to the list of things that we didn't get when we were kids, Buzz. Yeah. Wait till you meet uh, like Santi nice Gonzalez. Grass, like, like we didn't get nice grass fields. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's Santi Gonzalez? Santi Gonzalez is a FC Dallas U12. And I've known about him since he was seven years old because oh, no. somebody like his parents or whatever, are the most aggressive social media video highlight clipper people I've ever seen in my life. They've been on full blast media mode with this kid for like four or five years now. He plays for the FC Dallas U12s. I mean, he's legit good. Is he worthy of all the social media attention? Nobody at seven is worth the level of attention that he's gotten from or that they're trying to get him. But you know, it's just, it's, it always, he always strikes me because it's a different world for them. It's like, he's grown up, on social media, you know, he's, he's 10 years old and he's messaging me. Doug, did you see my newest video? And so, you know, and it's mm. just a different world. Hey, real quick. Um, any, Dan, do you have any quick thoughts about Chicago signing Shakiri and the galaxy signing Diego Costa? Yeah. What a dumpster fire. I can't wait for that to go wrong. <laughs> Which one? Um, more, oh, more so LA, but, uh, both. Interesting. Fox Soccer put out this whole thing hyping up European talent, and it's like, yeah, there's Kieran Gibbs and Blaise Matuidi and Kenneth Vermeer. It's like, cool. <laughs> they're all shit. Yeah. <laughs> it is a weird deal. Like, I know there are a lot of people that uh, uh, pray at the feet of Shakiri as a player, and I know he's done some great things, but. Man, that is that is one of these weird European signings that I am really I couldn't I have no idea how that's going to go. Like I have a feeling it's going to be one of the I guess I would say he's going to have a few really amazing ESPN Sports Center highlight games, but for the bulk of the season you're not going to see too much of him. I don't think. 
Well, uh, interestingly, our, our fan base voted 67%. They'd rather have Velasco, but that's not surprising. Uh, Sh- Shakiri for me, the thing I thought was interesting was when they announced his signing. And I was like, Chicago. Oh, that's perfect. I mean, if you think about like 90, 97, sure, 98, yeah. Chicago fire, he's exactly the kind of guy that they always used to sign in the past. You know, so he's a perfect fit for that organization's philosophy, generally speaking. Uh, I definitely like him when I watch him play. I could not tell you whether he's got left in the tank. Well, the other one is Diego Costa, uh, who I, I guess, is that turned out to be a loan? Is that what it is? I honestly have no idea. I haven't particularly paid attention to Okay, Diego well, Costa. My, my only concern with the Diego Costa situation is that he's such a, a, a injury-prone and flaky attitude kind of guy I just I'm really surprised the Galaxy went all went in to go get a guy that I just think is I just think is a tr- a really sketchy track record in terms of just being consistent, not a bad guy or a locker room cancer, just between health and kind of his is his head right with ball kind of guy. I, I that just is surprising to me. Yeah, but isn't that exactly LA's Galaxy's track record of the last I don't know decade or so? Is like these you know, international guys that were on the last stages of their career, you know, whether it's, you know, Klein or, 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 you know, well, he's not, he's not, he's not Zlatan, but I guess you could, same vibe though. Oh, Zlatan, you know, will still be going strong (laughs) in his mid forties, not, you know, every year new club. No, but it's the same vibe as uh, Chicharito or DeSantos or, you know, not Beckham because Beckham's world profile is just insane, but it's that same general ballpark, that genre. All right. He's on, he's on loan from Juventus for six months, but has already agreed to a new deal with the galaxy through next season. So I guess it's some sort of, you know, financial deal to get him on loan versus buying him outright. I guess uh, something like that. Yes. Well, maybe this, he's not playing for Juventus. Juventus need him off the book. So they loan him to LA without a transfer fee and they don't have to worry about him anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And then they and LA get him pays a, a salary. You know. Yeah. And LA gets him, I'm assuming on a free officially next year is what I, well, I would guess. That's and what Italian it have short roster limits. So like, if you want to add a guy, you got to dump a guy. So sometimes they're just forced to dump dudes below market price. You know, that so happens do you want a lot. To know the real weird part of this. He's still technically on loan to Gremio. <laughs> well, that's weird. It is weird. Yeah. I, I just, I, I, I'm fascinated to see because as the league gets younger and more competitive, the idea of signing these guys that are later in their career, I mean, the Insigne deal in Toronto is ridiculous for a whole sort of reasons, but just really trying to figure out whether or not he's actually going to be able or be up for doing this, and especially with the travel Toronto has to do, uh, is, is uh, I, I think it's going to be one of the better storylines of this season. Yeah. You know, I, I hate that kind of signing. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I'm some days I'm really glad, like, listen, SC Dallas has its faults. Don't get me wrong, but I'm really glad they don't do those really st- like the Danielson signing. I'm so glad that that burned them enough that they're like, I'm never doing that again. Mm, buzz, you know, buzz. I mean, Franco Hara is bad, okay. but it's All like, right. yeah, well, <laughs> Peter, uh, no, I'm, okay. I'm bringing up he the Franco Hara kit and now he's gone crazy. What? Come on, Peter. I said he looked at the Seattle kit and it drove him crazy. Oh. Well, I was going to make a point about how we're now seeing this fundamental change, you know, mm-hmm. that we're seeing this Velasco, this young kid, big money buy. And yeah. that's a much better way to spend money. You know, Definitely. that they between Danielson and Frank O'Hara, they've learned their lesson, I hope. You know, so 
it's nice to they've only made that mistake twice and, and at least Fankahara is functional as a backup even though the money's stupid Danielson wasn't even functional as stupid as the money is as well like Pepe credits Frank O'Hara so much for his growth the last uh, 18 months and you know the same's going to happen with Jesus the players love him the young players the young attacking players go to him for advice constantly I mean in, in the locker room that's that's a good influence to have even if yeah. it's two million that's not making a whole lot of output on the field yeah unlike blaze matuti who is utter garbage for miami <laughs> yeah i remember when dallas played him i was watching i was watching them play miami and i literally got the roster out and looked up was like what's who's this number eight that guy is trash he's the you worst player in the game that before you even pulled yeah. the roster out and then i pulled the roster out and it was blaze matuti i'm like dude that is ridiculous he's the worst player on the field by a long shot it's like i wouldn't even I play that guy with north forgot texas he was playing several times he was yeah. awful I mean, he stood in the middle of the field and watched dudes run by him all day. It was ridiculous. I was like, he he looked like Carlos Valderrama playing holding mid. That's what it looked <laughs> like. like. Pillow at uh, New York City, aside from set pieces. You know, when Michelle <laughs> like just bl- just bombed past him at yeah. a mile an hour. <laughs> oh, awesome. awesome stuff. All right, uh, boys, anything else? We've gone on way longer than we should have. Um, anything else we need to talk about before we shut up shop? Well, the quintessential awesome FC Dallas social media guy is is trumpeting the Ryan goodbye video when they talked about the family moving to California and all that stuff as the core move behind Ryan, core reason behind Ryan moving. I'm sticking with the what I'm saying, which is that if Isaiah Parker was terrible, this would not have happened. Mm-hmm. It's because Isaiah Parker is awesome that they can do this. So just wanted to revisit that in the light of people I think are very quality saying that it's about Ryan's family. Okay, sure. Yeah, it it definitely well is it partially led by him, but like you say, the trigger event is the fact that FC Dallas are able to say you are replaceable now. Yeah, they they could afford to now do this kind of move because Parker is so good. If you want to sound like a smart FC Dallas fan, just go with it's not because of one thing. It is a perfect yeah. mix of a whole sort of things. It no, is. Just say three more points. Three more points. No, please do not ever, ever, ever say that. Three more points. If you're going to keep up with it, I'm going to make you do it all the time. <laughs> That's not. I don't want to do that. You run off oh, listeners. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, is that it? Is that everything? I think so. That was a lot. And that was, a you know, hour 10, 15. Something like that. So, yeah, I told all you right. we had a lot to talk about today. We did. I, and, and you were right to push back the other idea to another episode. So we'll do that next week or the week after or whatever. Yeah, we got um, we got uh, two more episodes before the season starts. So we we'll, get have, time. We'll, ha- we'll have an actual game to review next week. That's true. Well, that'll only be, you know, 10 minutes, not uh, an hour and 15. So right. well, yeah, I'll be fine. Hey, Ryan deserves, he's a club legend. He deserves the 45 minutes of, of discussion. Absolutely. He does. Yeah. No, it is a massive, massive move. I'm going to have to t- tell coach that he totally suckered me in when he tried to tell me that it was just about competition and practice. Uh, my quick Ryan story was his rookie season. I was in the locker room post game and I had to go to him because I noticed he was wearing all black boots and that's my favorite in the whole world and i went up and i said i can't believe you're wearing those and he goes yeah they're my favorite i brought them over here but i think they're about to break and i don't think they have any more of them so this is the last pair and he never got to wear all black boots ever again so i bonded over that with ryan hollingshead his rookie season yeah i get excited when i see guys wearing copas Mm. does anybody in mls still wear copas yeah 
Yeah, every once in a while you see somebody wearing them. Oh, you, you mean Copas or like Copa, like Copas or Copa Mundials? Because they're two different boots. Oh, I call. I didn't realize there was a difference. I'm talking about the black and white ones, the classic Adidas. Oh yeah, because yeah, uh, what used to be Adipure is now Copa. I think Dax wears the those Copa Mundials. All right. Well, Nico does. Oh, okay. Well, good. That's a good sign. I'm glad to hear there that. There you go. Yep. I'd love to wear Copas. My fa- my feet are just too fat to do it. You do have wide. I have wide feet. Yep. Uh, Dan, thank you, sir, for all that insight and good information. And and uh, uh, you only deducted a few points for the bad pun. Uh, thanks. So I'll get back to uh, waiting out for Nani here at DFW. Okay. You, you keep us posted on that. And Buzz, uh, all good information. Thanks for uh, hyping up the new draftee and shitting on the other. Um, and uh, we uh, do appreciate all the hard work, sir. It's been a busy day. I will offer $100 to the person that shows up to the Nanu arrival wearing the red and blue striped shirt with the rainbow suspenders of Mork from Mork. <laughs> That's the 2024 his... jersey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for real, 100 bucks if somebody will do it. God, I hope somebody does. And we need full pictures and video of it, too. Oh, like oh you, yeah. You got to document. You got to yeah. be able to document it. All right. It I'll is done. To document is fine. So is it just the suspenders, or do they have to wear the shirt, too? No, no, the shirt. I think it's a red and blue horizontal striped hoop with the rainbow suspenders. you got to have them both. And probably the khaki pants got to go, but that's not as big a deal. Have you already made – has Mork already been the chapter art? Yeah, I think when they announced his signing, he was the chapter Uh, art. Okay. We won't want to repeat that. Okay. Hi, this is Corey Reynolds. Third Degree, the podcast, is brought to you by Soccer 90. Shop Soccer 90 for all of your FC Dallas, U.S. national team, and international club gear. Watch for new MLS gear landing the entire month of February, including new FC Dallas gear. All Third Degree listeners receive 20% off their purchase when you use the code ThirdDegree at checkout on Soccer90.com. Some exclusions may apply. Well, uh, the challenge has been made. Will anybody accept? It's up to you, the good FCLS Curious fan. Thank you, and we will speak to you next week on another extremely long and detailed episode of Third Degree, the podcast. Farewell, sweet Ryan. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Net Podcast. Third Degree. The Green Air Podcast.